Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Rebel Report. I almost said Monday. That's okay. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. He's Stephen Gagliano. It is great to be with you. Uh, apologies for not doing one yesterday with all the... It wasn't a hurricane by the time it hit us, but with all that going on, uh, just, you know, didn't record an episode yesterday. And we, we do need to start because it's not just uh, Louisiana. Our Gulf Coast here in Mississippi was hit pretty bad. Uh, we got some pictures on the radio show of uh, houses and standing water and stuff like that of people on the coast. So we're thinking about you and we love you and are praying for you and all of that. And, and then those of you, because we do have some listeners that are based in and around New Orleans, uh, some of you, anyway, are uh, are in that area. And, uh, of course, the same goes to you. So the scenes were pretty tough to see. And uh, I know a lot of people, I, I talked to somebody that was in New Orleans when Katrina hit, and it being the anniversary is just a, a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, I did see some good news, though, that Entergy told the city council in New Orleans that some places— the priority places, hospitals and stuff, will have power by as early as tomorrow night. So they're doing something because, I've, I mean, you know this, the grid failed and towers fell and all that stuff. And some people were saying that the city would be without power for weeks. And for some people in the city, that is an unfortunate reality. But they're doing something that's going to get power to the important places as early as tomorrow night. And then obviously, if they're getting power to some places each passing day, they'll be able to distribute it even more. So that was at least some good news. But we're thinking about you guys in Louisiana and on our coast, and we love you, and I just hope all of you are safe during the, the devastation, and uh, just hope you're okay. Just really hope you're okay, and, and the, the images that we got yesterday were just terrible. So is there any update on the coast? I know you're the news guy. Yeah, um, honestly— Portions of the coast were spared the worst of it, thankfully, at it's least the Mississippi hear. coast. You know, it, it's hard to to separate the two sometimes. But with the Mississippi coast kind of avoiding a large portion of the direct hit of the storm, I think yep. they came out in much better shape than they anticipated. I think you still had storm surges up to almost nine feet in some areas, which can cause a lot of flooding. I know there were sustained power outages all throughout the state, especially around Pearl River County, and then that kind of southwest quadrant of the state, so to speak. So, and around here, that number, as of the time that we're recording this, around 2.30, that number's down to under 50,000 outages across the entire state. It had gotten up as high as 140,000, maybe almost towards 150,000 so they've worked pretty quickly to get power back on for most Mississippians. And then I imagine that'll hopefully be done either, you know, end of day today, end of day tomorrow. So good news. We're, we're coming out of it as well as we could have, I think. We did have some listeners uh, tell us about the fleets of uh, trucks, energy trucks that were headed down, you know, to Louisiana and, and our Gulf Coast. So I got a um, call today in the newsroom, somebody telling me that they saw about a 20-vehicle, I don't even know. Convoy? Convoy, yeah, that's actually that's the word he used, of Miami-Dade Fire Rescue 
Wow. How about coming that? Through. I don't I assume that they were going to New Orleans or to Louisiana and maybe cutting up through, but it was still the guy described it. It was a pretty wild scene that he That's that he passed along. That that is awesome. So there's no easy way to segue out of something like that. Just, you know, we are thinking about you and we we love you guys down there. It's uh you know, I'm not from New Orleans originally. I've adopted it, like I've said on here before and on the radio. I'm a new money Saints and Pelicans fan. I adopted them when I moved to Jackson, you know, eight years ago. But um, th- that's a, a state in an area that's near to, to my heart, especially lately in my life. And so it was just, it was tough to see, but tougher for those of you that have had to live through it. So uh, today is depth chart day. Depth chart day in Steven. We can look at this, and we're going to look at it, and we're going to look at the positions and where players are listed, and at the end, we're going to be like, you know what? We should not have done any of that <laughs> at all. There are things on here that will make you scratch your head, I think in part because they didn't really try that hard on putting this together, but the people love depth charts, and so we're going to talk about the depth chart that was released today and then also play for you Lane Kiffin's press conference where he said nothing. Absolutely nothing. He said nothing today. I mean, you know, it's game week, so you were hoping that you'd get a little bit of something. But no, basically Malik Cunningham is a good athlete. And yes, he is a very good athlete. Turnover prone, at least last year. But that quarterback is a a multidimensional athlete, pretty accurate, uh, obviously can run. And he said defensively, they'll give you multiple looks. So you're not just going to get like a 4-2-5. You'll get a lot of different looks from Louisville defensively. Also, not surprising. Other than that, nothing. Nothing said they won the mock game that they put on. He which said I don't sixty-nine even know. to nothing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Lane Kiffin is a sixteen-year-old boy at heart. I swear. I mean, <laughs> he says it with that same kind of drawl yeah. tone in his voice, though, and even he cracked up towards the end of saying it. So that kind of stuff is always. It's funnier to hear it coming from someone like him who does not have this, you know, outgoing kind of personality. Oh, could you imagine Nick Saban saying that? You know? Never. <laughs> we've, got, we've got SEC coaches making 69 jokes at press conferences right now. I love it. I wonder if there's a, a time frame during the kind of twilight of Nick Saban's career where he'll be fun in some ways during these kind of press conferences. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think I don't that'll think happen, so, but... but you never know. Yeah, so we'll get into the depth chart today, but first, I want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by ABS Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. It's an office technology solutions company. If you are based in Mississippi, if you are a business owner or you are a decision maker, uh, wherever you work, if you are in the state of Mississippi, Advantage Business Systems can service you. ABSMS.com is the website. If you tell them we sent you, they'll give you a complimentary office technology assessment. So if you're in the market for things like copiers and printers or mail machines, things like cloud storage, data security, stuff like that. Uh, ABSMS.com is the website and tell them we sent you. Also, LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue. Uh, that hurricane, for all its terribleness, brought some beautiful weather behind it. You want to put something on the grill, get that started at LBs. You've got mid-80s for the next 10 days in Oxford. My gosh, guys, watch football on Saturday. Partly cloudy, high of 88, low of 61. Perfect grilling weather. And get that started at LBs and tell them we sent you. Made even better by the fact that Ole Miss doesn't play till Monday. So you can grill without the stress of, oh, no, is Ole Miss going to win? What's the game going to be like? 
all of that will come on Monday. Just grill on Saturday and watch football. You can enjoy yourself. Actually enjoy yourself on a football Saturday. I have, oh. a, I have a birthday party to go to that day. What it's kind like a of child's birthday, birthday oh. party. I think it's early in the oh. morning. So by the time, like, the one game that I know I have to be in front of the TV and watch the entirety of is Georgia and Clemson, obviously. That's the big one this weekend. So as long as I'm home before that, I'm cool. And there will be stuff on, you know, while I'm there. So I'll kind of park my, myself right in front of a TV somewhere. Yeah, I hear you. That's what you should do. So depth chart day. They released Ole Miss's depth chart. Let's look at it. Uh, I'll go through them all and just, you know, we'll stop at anything interesting. If you hear anything interesting that I don't stop at, let me know. Uh, so wide receiver uh, Braylon Sanders, obviously, starting at one of the wide receiver spots, Dennis Jackson behind him, and uh, Braylon Brown listed on the depth chart. And I'll tell you, why that's fascinating coming up here in a second. Other wide receiver, Dontario Drummond with John Rice Plumley and Jacor Pearson uh, behind him. So I guess that's the slot because they don't actually specify. Other wide receiver, Jonathan Mingo. Uh, hopefully he had a good camp and is prepared for the season because his talent is through the roof. Uh, he just has to be more consistent behind him. Uh, Jaden Jackson and Quade Davis, for what that's worth. Uh, starting quarterback is Kincaid Dent. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Matt Corral. I, I'm surprised to see Matt Corral there. Yeah. Or, or uh, they could. Lane Kiffin could have done the Mike Leach route and put an or after Matt Corral like Mississippi State did. Does anyone State believe did. that Will Rogers isn't starting that game for Mississippi no, State? I don't understand. I mean, why do you do? That, that, no that's not the conversation for this podcast, I guess, but putting an or between Will Rogers and Chance Lovertich is just goofy. It's that's the kind of stuff about college football coaches because you don't get that shit in the NFL. Like no. that doesn't happen in the NFL. College football coaches playing this charade about, well, Will Rogers made it. You know, there's an or here. Stop, stop. Chance Lovertich is at Mississippi State not to play. Also, I haven't I haven't been at at Mississippi State's camp to watch this kind of stuff. I imagine their two playing styles are pretty similar. It's not like you're putting two guys out there that one is this crazy, dynamic, gifted athlete and the other's a drop-back passer, and you don't know, or then the opposing defense won't know, oh, who do we prepare for? They're pretty much the same kind of quarterback. Yeah, but one of them's better than the other. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, that's true. So very few oars, actually, on this depth chart. Like, there was an oar between John Rice Plumley and Jacor Pearson. I actually believe that's the case. Uh, There's an oar on the offensive line and backup roles. There's an oar... At nose tackle, there's an or at middle linebacker and both cornerback spots. That's really about it, and all of them are believable. Like, they didn't put you through a ringer, at least on this one. Uh, the running back thing was the first thing that everybody pointed to was odd. So, Jerry Neely's listed as running back one, Henry Paris behind him, Kentrell Bullock listed as the third running back, and Snoop Connor listed as the fourth. I immediately got a text message asking what the hell was up with that. I said, don't read into it at all. Snoop Connor is not the fourth best running back on this team, and he will not get the fourth most carries on this team. This is basically, I could be dead wrong, I guess, where Snoop Connor barely plays at all. But when I saw that, I just thought they listed all of them with Ely first and didn't think twice about it. That Maybe I'm surprising. wrong, but that is just, I, you know, that, that running back group 
is a shining example of don't really read too much into these. Is he me. also really only a junior? It has him listed as I could have sworn he was a senior. He's old Mrs. Candidate, I guess, to be the guy that's going to feel like he's been there for 10 years by the time his career is over. But it has him listed as a junior, which is odd. Do you know what his first name is, by the way? Like his real first name? Yeah, Gerard. Hmm. Um, he's listed as a junior. Fascinating. And Yeah, maybe I'm just wrong here. Yep, but... Nope, he's true junior. <laughs> he's a true junior. Huh. That is fascinating. But yeah, there's no he's way. just played a lot. I mean, he right. appeared in 12 games in 2019 and all 10 last year. So maybe you just have that kind of th- that thought in your head that he's been there for longer. But, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you're spot on. I think he's proven himself, obviously, having played this much to be a key contributor in that running back room. He was last year, and I think he will be again this year. Yeah. Especially end. with... Sorry, but just even with uh, Ely and maybe even Henry Parrish kind of moving around uh, in that offense this year, I think Snoop Connor will have a lot of reps as a true running back where the other guys may move around a little bit more. Yeah, and if you really want to like parse this, I think if, God forbid, Jerry and Ely got hurt, I think Henry Parrish would slip into his role. I think Ely and Connor have different roles within the offense, and Parrish will fill... Ely's role more so you know what I mean that's probably overthinking it again like we said at the beginning it's a depth chart that I (laughs) I promise Lane Kiffin put very little thought into (laughs) before they listed this in the game notes I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't touch this honestly yeah if he had some staffer just throw it together hey man just put a depth chart together I don't know (laughs) but we're going to read too far into it because that's what we do here offensive line left tackle no surprise Nick Broker uh Enjoy him while he lasts, because I believe this will be his last year at Ole Miss. I think he will enter the NFL draft early, and he will be, knock on wood, barring injury, I think he will play himself into an early round pick. Uh, people are extremely... When Cole Kubelik singles a guy out the way he does Nick Broker, that's all you need to know, because nobody studies the offensive line more than him. Yeah, at one point he called him the most talented left tackle in the SEC heading into this season, and that's worth something. And, man, he's violent. Oh, I mean, there's offensive linemen that are great blockers, and that's it. Nick Broker is a great blocker, and then he wants to bury your body, like, not on the field. He wants to pick you up off the field and bury your body behind the goalpost. Like, he, he's, and he seems like a nice kid. Like, interviews and stuff, he's real calm and laid back. And it's like when the lights come on, he turns into this, like, he's got this split personality where he turns into a lunatic that just wants to end the lives of his opponents. I love it's what you want from your offensive line. Oh my line, god, man. yeah. I mean, I love it. you see the end of plays. Like play to the whistle is something that he was born with that mentality because if the whistle hasn't blown yet, he's pushing you as far as he can. If he if he's going to drive a defender to pond to talk, damn it, he's going to do it if the whistle <laughs> hadn't blown yet. I love I just those highlights of him at the end of plays are hilarious to me. I mean, throwing guys through the back of the end zone, you know, pushing them into the pads behind the end zone are just hilarious. Uh, Cedric Melton and Reese McIntyre are listed behind him at left tackle. Caleb Warren starting left guard. Eli Acker is somebody that people are really high on, uh, listed second at guard. Uh, I've heard people mention him many times as a guy that will be a rotational piece. Uh, So he'll, at least the anticipation based on, you know, what I hear often is he'll play a lot. He's not listed as a starter, but he'll play for whatever that's worth. Uh, 
Orlando Umana is listed as the starting center. Again, keep that in mind because there's something later that I want to point out. So Braylon Brown was listed on the depth chart. Umana is listed as the starter at center. That's the Utah transfer. Uh, There's a name missing on this depth chart that leads me to think that Brown and Umana might be good to go because other injured players, not listed here. We'll get to that later. Bryce Ramsey's listed as the backup center. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if something happens to Umana that Ben Brown slips back into that role. Maybe not, though, uh, because they've been given reps to other guys in camp, of course. Uh, Ben Brown, right guard, no surprise. Hamilton Hall behind him, listed as Orr with Jordan Rhodes, who is the South Carolina transfer, correct? Yes. And Jeremy James, your right tackle. No surprises on the offensive line uh, at all. None at all. Nope. (laughs) I mean, that's what it will be. Yeah, no it, doubt. It, it was a it was a solidified group already coming into this season. You add Umana and then his natural position, obviously center, the one shift that you make, move Ben Brown, and then you're set. That's it. Should be an extremely good group. Uh defense, surprise, at least one that I saw. Cedric Johnson listed as one of the starting defensive ends in front of Tarikus Tisdale. Uh, I was surprised by that. Cedric Johnson is a a Lane Kiffin recruit. Or at least he was in Lane Kiffin's uh, original signing class. Uh, a true sophomore, played some last year. Uh, interesting. I, I, you know, yeah. you would think over a productive guy in Tisdale. Yeah, but you know, maybe that's that's maybe one of those moves of what you put on tape last season. Being a productive member of that defense a year ago really doesn't carry a lot of weight. Right. Right. Uh, both junior college defensive tackles are listed at the same spot. Uh, Isaiah Eiton is uh, listed as the starter, and there's an or between he and Jamon Gordon, but based on what I've heard about practice, uh, there's no or there, for whatever that's worth. Yeah, you, you always heard one guy was coming along a little quicker than the other, so... Yeah. You know, the other, I, I wasn't sure at that point which one was which. You know, I, I didn't hear names specifically. People just kept saying one junior college guy's coming along quicker. So I guess that answers that question for me. Yeah, uh, Quentin Bivens or KD Hill at the other defensive tackle spot, the nose tackle. Uh, we'll see. I mean, that that's a position honestly of of great weakness for Ole Miss is the interior defensive line. Uh, they got to stay healthy there, and even if they do, that's a position to circle and keep an eye on. Uh, just not. Um, not a lot of excitement there. But Kiffin did mention, and you guys you guys will hear it in a little bit, uh, but his team, he did say they look different. He said even the guys that are returning, they look physically different. So, you know, maybe that'll change uh, on the defensive line. Second, it has it, to. It has yeah, I to. mean, some of those games, again, from last season, any time there was either, you know, second and two, third and two, any other team, any opponent could just line up and run the ball straight up the middle and get four yards. Yeah. Got to be better there. Defensive end, here's the second surprise of the depth chart, or at least on defense anyway. Sam Williams listed as the starter, obviously. Uh, Tywan Malone listed behind Sam Williams at defensive end, all 6'4", 310 pounds of them. And Demon Clowney, uh, I believe it's Demon, but Demon Clowney, <laughs> Uh, who's gained a bunch of weight since last year. He came in underweight for his position. Understandably so. Happens all the time. Playing high school is a little bit different than playing in the SEC. Uh, But apparently he's put on some really good weight. Is listed at third defensive end on the depth chart behind Malone. I think a lot of that might have to do with some three-man fronts that you're going to see this year. But still, 
That was interesting to see. Yeah, that whole position is interesting to me. And one thing is not like the other when you're looking at it. You have Sam Williams listed at 265, Clowney at 225, and then Malone 255. At 255, excuse me. And then Malone at 310. So I honestly thought he would be more of an interior defensive lineman. So seeing him listed with the defensive end was also a little curious to me. And he's been hurt uh, most of camp as well. Yes, I, I'd be surprised if, if you see him early on Monday night or you know even as a rotational piece at that position especially. Yeah, the the linebacker position as we move along through this, Lakia Henry listed as an or uh, on outside linebacker with Mark Robinson. You might be thinking, who the hell is Mark Robinson? As I understand it, Mark Robinson is a guy that uh, they are absolutely shocked by, completely shocked by, um, He's a transfer from SEMO who played running back. And apparently he came in and was great. Like, so great that they felt fine with letting uh, Jacquez Jones leave for Kentucky because this guy came in and was so impressive, played running back at SEMO, and is listed as an or starter at linebacker in the SEC at Ole Miss. It's... um, it's surprising. There are, you know, you could spin it negatively and say, well, that doesn't mean the linebacker position is good. That's not what I've heard. I've heard that they are shocked by how impressive this guy has been. And he is listed as an or on the depth chart. And it's a name that you've probably never heard. He doesn't and have a page on the Ole Miss Sports website. There's nothing, there's no bio, nothing listed there. No, no information about him at all. Other, other than, than he's like, a senior linebacker. Yeah. From Leesburg, Georgia. Huh. That's all you got. That's Mark Robinson. <laughs> uh, he's ahead of Sistrunk uh, right now for whatever that's worth. But yeah, uh, I have, again a guy that has made plays on this defense, not a ton of them, but enough to the point where it's surprising to see a transfer running back apparently listed ahead of him on a depth chart entering this season. Yeah, how about that? So be looking out for uh, number thirty-five. He was playing running back at Semo. Before he transferred to Ole Miss. Now he's potentially a starting linebacker. Uh, other one, Chance Campbell listed as the one or uh, with Momo Snogo. If Campbell does start, uh, that should give you uh, some encouragement about this defense. If that or is just there because you're giving respect to Sonogo or you know different packages depending on different things, uh, Sonogo's not the fastest guy in the world. We all know that. Um but he's a, he's a good worker and a serviceable SEC linebacker. If Campbell's starting ahead of him, that means he came in and had a camp to their expectation. And that's a good sign. Yeah, which, and again, that expectation is to marginally improve, I think. And if, yes. you, can, if you can get to that point, then you know that shows a commitment to... I guess holding guys to that standard as well. Again, I, I've said it a couple times now, so I'm sorry to be repetitive here. But That's all right. If, if you can outplay someone from this defense last year, I think that shows you know, that you are moving in the right direction, but these guys from last year also don't have these positions on lock just because they were already here. Yep. Austin Keys uh, listed behind the two of them. Uh, he will be a redshirt freshman, and that's also uh, obviously a, a Kiffin recruit, a guy that absolutely 
looks the part. Just, uh, Ole Miss in the past has not had linebackers that look like SEC linebackers. Uh, that's not the case anymore. It's a good-looking group, physically. So what does that mean? Who the hell knows? It means you but, can scare people off the bus. Yeah, apparently. But, I mean, the, that combination of Campbell, Sunogo, who looks even better than he has in the past physically, and Keys, Buddy, those look like real SEC linebackers. And you haven't really been able to say that about Ole Miss, especially depth-wise, uh, until now. Yeah, absolutely not. You'd have one guy, maybe, that <laughs> looked the part, and then the rest, you could tell, could just be kind of bullied physically on the field. And then the secondary. This is a position group that when I read you these names and all that stuff, you should feel really good about, I think. Uh, so Otis Reese is listed at, at one of the safeties. Uh, the position's NB. I forget what the term they use is. Nickelback, I, was reading, I guess. Yeah, I was reading uh, it but, as Nickelback. But I think they call it something else. I, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, Otis Reese, Tylan Knight listed behind him, and uh, Thysheem Johnson, the freshman. Uh, did, I say, did I say thigh? You did. I was gonna let it go. And I'm, you know, gosh. Well, there's, there's Can that H there. Hit end and and restart. <laughs> that's that's awful. Uh, Jalen Jones. Been a busy couple days, man. Nobody will blame you. Yeah, Jalen Jones or Miles Battle at one of the corner spots. Miles Battle will be one of the longest corners in the SEC when he plays. Yeah, six four. Wow. Yeah, that, and they were, and we saw it last year. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But seeing it listed on the page again juxtaposition to the guys that he's listed around it just it jumps out at you on the page for sure and uh he's a guy i've been fascinated by because i think the skill set or the the raw ability can be a guy that plays at the next level because of his length they were coaching him technique during the outback bowl remember he was a wide receiver He, he made the position switch to corner but he was so raw at playing corner i was told that they were like coaching him through how to play cornerback during the bowl game. And that was after And he still held his own. Yeah, and that was after a whole season really at the position. He was really learning on the fly. Yeah. But held his own, I think, for the most part. In some of those games there were times when teams went right at him and, and he didn't give up no. that many explosive plays, you know, in relation to how many others were given up by that defense. Having a real off season with real technique and stuff should take him a long way. Uh, at strong safety, Jake Springer is listed as the starter. That's a great sign. That's what he transferred to Ole Miss to be. And Keydron Smith behind him. At free safety, A.J. Finley, uh, Jalen Jordan, and Derek Bermudez, which is one of my favorite names, listed at free safety. And then co- the other cornerback, Dean Leonard or DeAndre Prince or Ja'Cory Hawkins. That is a group in the secondary. All of them is a group in the secondary that you should feel really, really, really good about. That talent turnover in just two years, or well, a year and a half really, is pretty impressive, all things considered. I think so. And and you know, you see a mix of guys in there, some that are, are kind of carryovers from the Matt Luke era, some obviously from recruiting. You've got transfers in there. I think this is a really good mix, and it's as far along as you can expect a group to be after just, you know, a year now entering year two under a new head coach. So for whatever that is worth to you, there is your depth chart. What should you read into it? Probably very little. Less than we just did. Yeah. But we're contractually obligated to do this. Yes, we are. Uh, I also, um, 
There are a lot of people that think that, for example, like Chance Campbell being ahead of Momo means Momo won't play. And people think that about like other positions as well. That, that's not how it works, you know? It, it's not just, That's not how it works anymore. It used to be, and you know, even before my time of knowing what football was, when I was very young, it was you have a starter and you have backups, and that is it. We're in a very different era of football. You're seeing it in the NFL, too. There, so much of this is rotational that more guys see the field than they ever have, I think. So mm-hmm. these kind of depth charts and, and where you're listed on it, I, you're going to see different guys as early as the season opener. Yep. We will. Uh, so there that is. For whatever that's worth to you, there's the depth chart. And uh, a deep look at it, sort of. Uh, just a look <laughs> at it anyway. I wouldn't read too much into it. No more, like we said, no more than what we just did. Uh, we will. Uh, did we t- skip over the tight end position? Yes, we did. I, I, was, that's I, the one I, we I, I didn't mean to. Um, <laughs> because Rodgers, you know, is not a dynamic athlete. They recruited Hudson Wolf for a reason. But apparently, people like what Rodgers will be able to bring to the table as far as like being in the right spot, fundamentally sound. Like, you don't have to worry about that position with him. Is he going to catch a thousand yards worth of passes? Is he going to be able to out athlete Alabama linebackers? Well, no. But that's a guy that has Division One experience elsewhere, anyway. But it's not like they're exact. I don't know. I've been told that they're comfortable with him playing because he will do the right things, be in the right spot, be fundamentally sound. We'll give you some stuff. Not going to be the best tight end in the SEC. Probably not the best tight end on the team. But that's okay. And Casey Kelly not listed at all. No. And Tavius Robinson wasn't listed at all. So maybe that's showing you that Umana and Brown are available for the game. It, it Could be reading too much into it, but... It is odd know. that one wouldn't be there and the other two are. And those are the three that we've heard from an injury standpoint throughout camp have had some issues. So, yeah, that, that's something to look out for. With the tight end position, with Rodgers not being a great athlete like you mentioned... And then a guy like Hudson Wolf, who was so highly recruited. I wonder if you'll see some two tight end sets. I don't remember a lot of them from last year. Uh, so I wonder if that could be a new wrinkle to this offense in 2021. Mm-hmm. The one guarantee with Ole Miss is that you don't know what you're going to see. You don't know everything you're going to see from them offensively in this game. No. Zero percent chance you know everything you're going to see. They have added new wrinkles and will do it on a weekly basis again this season. That's the beauty of what they do. It's really incredible. Yeah, I don't I don't think any two game plans look alike for Lane Kiffin. Nope. He I honestly think that he walks into a room each Monday or whenever they start all this and erases everything from the week before and draws it from the ground up. Yeah. What do they do wrong? How can we exploit it? That's the that's their question and, and they answer it obviously very well. We'll talk more about Louisville and all that good stuff later on this week, but there's your depth chart, and they are not going to be sticking to it. So <laughs> here's uh, here's Lane Kiffin now. We'll play that for you next, and that'll end the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow is Wednesday. <laughs> yep. One day before. Well, I guess there's a game tomorrow, too. But anyway, one day before college football really starts picking up steam with uh, Ohio State at Minnesota. Anyway, we'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. Have a good one. First technically real in-game, in-season practice and preparation today for Louisville, although we got started last week. Um, 
this is a really good opportunity for us to play on a national stage. I think the only game going on at that time. So very challenging with an offense that's, you know, can do both. I think there's, I think in the last two years, I think there's only four or five teams that average over 200 yards a game on the ground and throwing. They're one of them. So they present a lot of challenges there with a very good quarterback that can make a lot of plays um, with his arm and feet and a very veteran offensive line. Um, the other side, uh, they're multiple in what they do, um, give you protection issues, trying to figure out um, where everybody is. And so challenging opportunity for us. And still a lot of work to do this week. And we're trying to get our guys back um, health-wise. So today was a walkthrough versus a normal mon Monday practice because uh, I thought we looked really tired in our mock game, which is kind of normal after that camp. So hope they'll be on the way back um, for an exciting matchup. Yeah, you, you brought up the, the mock game. I was wondering if you could give us any uh, kind of insights on what you saw there and what stood out. Well, we won. 69 to nothing. So that would be cool if the, if the real game went like that. Um, we gave it one first down on defense. So I know that you would assume that's how they all are. It isn't necessarily always that way. We've struggled at times in mock games on one or one side of the ball before. So that was good to see. Um, and it was pretty easy. So um, everything seemed good. Played played a bunch of players. So um, really, I think it helped the substitutions for special teams, um, headsets, all that stuff as much as anything. You kind of talked about it at the start, but just the weird schedule of playing on a Monday. Just what do you have to do to prepare your team and how did you have to adjust a regular game week to, to prepare for this one? Well, it's been unusual just because the mock game fell on strange days too, because we had to do it at night so we could get used to a night schedule and you know, we don't do morning classes, so it would have been too hard to do Monday night, which really would have been when it would have been, which today is actually Tuesday. So you can see how it gets confusing. So we basically played a game that's on Monday that normally are on Saturdays on Sunday. So we're a little bit out of whack that way. And so we just really talk in days of what it is. And so today was the first of two Mondays um, for us from a preparation standpoint, practice-wise. So um, I think it'll get easier as the week goes. Lane, what kind of pressure does Malik Cunningham put on the defense? Well, a lot because um, he can throw the ball really well, but then takes off and runs, um, you know, and very challenging to contain him. So <clears throat> there's a lot of challenges with that. That's why, you know, in a perfect world, you know, you want unathletic quarterbacks to play against. So when you cover people, they can't, you know, bring another dimension. So... You talked a lot last year about the lack of a spring practice and, and the impact that that had. Uh, how different was it this year with fundamentals, defense, and, and that sort of thing? How important are things like tackling eyes uh, against a quarterback like Cunningham? Well, I think we're going to be better on defense. Um, it feels like that. I'm kind of excited to finally get through a real game you know, to see where, where we're at really, because you never know. Some years you think you're better on one side than you end up being, or better as a team, or worse as a team. So um, it'll be exciting to go play a quality opponent with really good players and good coaching schemes to see where we're at. You talk about feeling like you're going to be better on defense. Is there anything in particular that you've seen that kind of gives you that imp impression, or is it just you're being optimistic right now? No, I think that we do. 
you know, have some young players that, um, you know, have a spring under their belt now. Um, we have some transfers that either like Otis that barely played or a couple that didn't play at all um, that would have played a year ago. So I have game experience. <clears throat> so I think we, and I think we look better physically. Even the same guys look better physically after a whole year in our weight, weight program. Lane Louisville had a top 20 pass defense last season. Just how important is it for you guys to get the running game established to kind of loosen them up? Well, it always is with us. Um, I think there's a little bit of misconception that we just throw the ball. You know, we led the SEC in rushing last year. Now, a lot of this because we ran the we ran the ball way more than anyone else did um, in the SEC per game. So um, we're always committed to that. And when we don't do it in games, we get out of balance. So we need to we need to do that. You talked about Louisville being multiple. Are there things you can do to manipulate for the looks that you want to get? How do you manipulate well, I, the hard thing is, you know, they coach too. So they've had an off season to look at us. And the first game, you know, is always challenging because you're not really sure what they're going to do. It's not like they just have one week, you know, to do different things or to copy what other people did a year ago. So we just got to do our stuff really well and figure them out as the game goes. So like they run a three-man front, much like Arkansas threw at us last year. Uh, I know Matt learned quite a bit from that experience, but uh, are you expecting some of that moving on? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what they do, so I would think so. Um, you know, and if they play deep, you know, we got to take what they give us and run the ball and take care of the ball um, at all times. Coach, after camp, how do you feel about depth? I know that that's always a concern going into the season. I feel a little bit better um, than we were at the start, you know, with some young guys playing and, um, you know, some veterans getting better. So, you know, we'll, we'll see when it's a real game. You know, obviously the mock game personnel wasn't real tough on us. So, you know, this, I'm excited to get to the game, hopefully play really well, but also see our players play against someone else. You talked uh, about, you know, the, the battle between Kincaid and, and Luke Altmaier. Obviously, you guys brought in uh, Tyrell Pickrum. Uh, I'm just curious uh, what he kind of brings to the table and, and what you're kind of expecting from him. Well, we'd like to have depth and competition all the time. So we're always looking, you know, it's kind of turned into the NFL, you know, with transfers and things. So uh, he did a good job and caused people problems at Western. And so... You know, to be able to add him was good. And that competition with the other two guys is still going. Luke's been limited still. So we'll see. With Jerry on, I know you've coached a lot of different styles of running back over your career. Is there somebody he reminds you of? I know we asked you this a bunch with Elijah last year, but in the way you plan to use Jerry on, are there pass guys that come to mind? Probably Kenyon Drake, you know, from a speed standpoint. Um, I think Kenya was a little bit bigger, but um, they would be the most similar as far as being able to do receiver things. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.